Hi guys, welcome again to another episode of When the Scriptures Become Real. Let's get a podcast where we learn, where we study, where we grow, where we try to become the best versions of ourselves as we can as we continue to serve our Lord. Again, we're so thankful that you guys are here. Uh, we're, we're just so grateful that you guys have found the podcast. You can find the podcast on YouTube. Uh, you can also find it anywhere that you can get your podcast. And you can also, we would like you guys to go to the Facebook page and just look up when the scriptures become real there. Uh, you can follow the page there. We can we can chat. We can study. You'll see what the latest podcast is going to be for next week. You can give suggestions, all that good stuff. Um, and so I've had a couple people already reach out uh, through Messenger on that on that page. And uh, we've got to know each other just a little bit more. And I'm just so thankful that you guys are here and that we can use that platform uh, to study and to help each other grow. So I'm just very thankful for for you guys, what you guys are doing. All right, so let's get into today's topic, right? So today's topic, I'm excited for this one. This one's entitled, Should I Stay or Should I Go? Should I Stay or Should I Go? So I heard somebody say that there's two things in life that are constant. That's change and more change. So for us, as we as we grow and as we develop in this life, learning to adjust to change based on the landscape that's around you specifically, that's an important skill to have because things around you at any point in your life, they're never going to, they're never going to stay the same. Something's always going to change. Everything is always moving. Everything's always changing. Everything's always developing or at sometimes things are digressing, but whether it's developing or digressing, that's still change. So since we know that things in our life are going to change, it becomes difficult to know your place while things are changing. Does that make sense? So when things are changing around you, at times, sometimes you might not know how to how to go with the flow, with the change. Because if we're not used to adjusting with what happens around us, then we can find ourselves doing the same thing that's happening around us. And so we could be asking questions and, and you could be asking yourself these questions too. You could be asking yourself this question right now as you're listening. You might be asking the questions like, well, how do I know when to make a certain choice? How do I know when to make a certain choice? You know, maybe you ask the question, well, how do I know when it's time to move? How do I know when, um, you know, I've done everything I can here. Maybe I don't need to be here anymore. Maybe I need to be somewhere else. How do I know when to make the right choice? Should I stay or should I go? So this is going to be such a great, a great topic. We're actually going to look at it at an example um, from David. And this is a great text in the, in the, in the scriptures. So let's go to first Samuel chapter 30 together. First Samuel chapter 30. And as we look at this, we're going to see how David learned to adjust on the fly. But David also understood and knew when it was time to stay. And he asked when the right time was to go. So it's an important thing that David did here. And we're going to just look and we're just going to walk through the text in 1 Samuel 30. So again, if you're new to the podcast, we love to open up our Bibles here. And just you guys can go back and check and take notes and do all this stuff on your own. All right, so 1 Samuel 30. So here's our first our first point here. So should I stay or should I go? How do, how do I know how to maneuver and, and work through some of this stuff in life? Number one, here's the first point. 
Don't make an emotional decision based on what's going on around you right now. Don't make an emotional decision based on what's happening around you right now. So let's 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 read some of the text here. So beginning in verse one, actually, let's let me give you some background before we get in there. So chapter 29, David was actually supposed to go to battle, but there were princes that didn't want David to fight with them and go to battle. So essentially they sent David home. So David and his men were ready to fight. But for some reason, they didn't want David to fight with them. So now David goes back to home base. Okay, so so that's the scene. Chapter 30, beginning in verse one. And it came to pass now as, as these men are coming back to home base, when David and his men were come to Ziklag on the third day, the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire. Now, remember, what's David? Think about this. If you're a warrior, when you leave camp, your mind is ready to fight. So imagine you've been ready to fight for I don't know how long, and then you're sent back home. So now you're almost rejoicing because you understand I get to live another day. I get to live to fight another day. I can live to go back and see my family. So imagine the joy on on, on David's face. Imagine the joy on his men's face knowing, okay, we might not have had to fight that battle, but at least we can live another day to go back and see our families. So imagine all of them walking back home with joy. And now remember, what did we just talk about? There's two things in life that are constant, change and more change. So notice right now, their current state, everybody's okay. Everybody's good. Hey, we don't got to fight today and we get to go back home. So everything, everything's good, but watch how quickly stuff changes. Verse number two, and they, and they burned the city with fire verse two and had taken the women captive that were therein, and they slew not any either great or small, but carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captive. Then David and the people that were with them lifted up their voice and wept till they had no more power to weep. So imagine, you understand, man, I get to go back and see my family. This man, David, a great man led us. Now we can go back home. And on your way back home, you see smoke. And as you're walking back to your house, your wife is gone. Your sons are gone. Your daughters are gone. Things change just like that, don't they? You ever have something in life, maybe, you know, our our instructors called it a blue Monday. You ever have one of those days where maybe Sunday was good? Maybe that, that weekend before was good. But for some reason, it's something about that specific Monday. Everybody has a blue Monday. We're just thing after thing after thing after thing after thing just goes wrong. Or at least it doesn't go the way that you planned it at all. And it's a Monday. So now they're doing all of this. And as they're going through, the happiness that they once had is totally gone. And so notice David's mindset here. Let's keep walking through our text. And verse five, so not only were the people's wives and sons gone, but David's two wives were taken captive. Ahoanim, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. Now, if you're taking notes with me, 
I want you to highlight this phrase in verse six. And David was greatly distressed for the people spake of stoning him because the soul of all the people was grieved every man for his sons and his daughters. But David encouraged himself in the Lord, his God. So remember, what did we just talk about? Should I stay or should I go? There's two things in life that are constant change and more change. So our first point, as we're walking through our text together, don't make an emotional decision based on what's going on around you right now. So the mindset before was everybody's all good. David's mindset, I just helped these men not to have to fight. So now we all go home. Everybody's sons and daughters are gone. And the text says that David was greatly distressed. So as, as we talk about this and as we're studying and walking through our text here, guys, it's so easy for us to be distressed, especially when things in your life not too long ago were just real good. Can you relate to that? Think about David's situation for a second. He and his men don't have to go to battle anymore, and everyone gets to come home alive. That's good. But then the camp is burned out. That's bad. So the question becomes for us, as we as we try to relate to what David's going through, David found himself in a state of happiness and then distress. So what can greatly distress you and I, right? And again, everything that I'm, I'm about to mention, all of this is natural. All of this is natural, and all of this is a part of change, and all of this is a part of living, all right? So what can distress you? What can distress us? Number one, what about your job? Can your job, can your job stress you? You see, think about it. Remember, think about it from the mind of David. When you started, things were all good, but your current state, you're greatly distressed. So isn't that what happens with our job sometimes? You know, when you started, things were well, things were great. You were getting paid, but then something like COVID hits. Now you've got less staff at your job. Now maybe rules and regulations change. Now hours start bumping up. Now you got to pick up the slack from other people that don't want to go to work anymore. Guess what that can make you? Greatly distressed. Something that was once good, because obviously you took that job for a reason, right? Something that was once good is not good anymore. You can be greatly distressed. What's, an, what's another thing that can get us greatly distressed? Our relationships. Now, when I mean relationships, I mean with everybody. I'm talking about family, friends, special relationships. Things might have been great before, but it's not the same as it was before. That can make you in your home, in your personal life, in your job life, wherever it is, that can make you greatly distressed. Or what about this one? What about your spiritual life? See, last year you had you had some type of you had some type of fire. You had some type of man, I want to know more. I want to be around more Christians. I want to be but then things started happening and things started piling up and more things started happening. And the next thing you know, something that was once good, your relationship with God, is now not as good as it used to be. So when we read verse number six. Can you understand how all of us can be just like this? Some things in our life that was once good 
is now at a point where that once good thing is now the thing that makes us distressed. So now the question becomes, and I believe all of us have fallen in, in all of these, to be honest with you, all of us have. So the question is looking from this text, how can we solve this? How can we solve this? Just get up and leave and start over, right? Sometimes that's the case, but sometimes that's not the case. Here's how David solved his problem. So think about this for a second. So David just helped save these men's lives. Now in chapter 30, the wives and the children and everything's gone. Whose fault was that? It wasn't David's fault. It wasn't their fault. It just happened to happen. But who gets all the blame for it? David. So now think about what David did in his situation. David could have said to his man that he was leading, all right, since y'all want to stone me, y'all just stay here and I'll go somewhere else. I'll leave. You guys fend for yourselves. David did something that was very, very rare. And this is why, this is why specifically I wanted to study 1 Samuel 30. When things got hard and when David got daily, when David got greatly distressed, David didn't leave, even though he had the option to. Here's what David did, and here's potentially, I'm not saying this will work for your specific situation, but this is something for you to consider through scripture. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. So those things that greatly distress us, your job, you know, your relationships, your spiritual life, sometimes isn't it so easy for your job? Well, I just need another one. Well, your friend, I'll just get another one. Uh, Well, I'll just, it's easy to just like do something else, isn't it? But the grass isn't always greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you water it. So notice what David decided to do. Instead of just leaving those guys because they turned on him, David, at the end of verse 6, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So think about this for a second. David watered the grass where he was at. David didn't just leave that grass. David decided to water it where he was. Well, how do we know that? So David, number one, encouraged himself in the Lord. But then let's let's keep reading. Let's look at verse 7 and 8. Then David said to Abathar the priest, I pray thee, bring me the ephod. And Abathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired, or David asked of the Lord. Now, notice the question that David asked. David didn't ask, should I leave these guys? David didn't ask, should I go off by myself? David didn't ask, what do you want me to do so I can get away from my problems? See, here's here's our problem as well, myself included. When we're greatly distressed with our jobs, relationships, with our spiritual life, with whatever you want to put in there, the more you study 1 Samuel 30, we ask ourselves the wrong questions and we ask God the wrong questions. So when you find yourself in a state where you're greatly distressed, a lot of times we ask God, what do you, what should I do to get out of it? What do I need to do to get out of this? Well, maybe we're asking the wrong questions to God. Instead of asking him, 
how do I get up out of this job? How do I get up out of this thing? Sometimes instead of asking how to get out, sometimes we need to ask the Lord, what do you want me to do while I'm in it? That's a, that's a difference. David didn't ask for a way out of it. David asked, while I'm here, what do you want me to do while I'm here? David inquired of the Lord and he asked, notice, it wasn't about himself. Do you want me to pursue after this troop? Do you want me to go after these guys that did this? But what, what could David could have asked? It's just like his son, Solomon. Remember when God asked Solomon, what do you want? Solomon could have asked for riches. Solomon could have asked for glory. But Solomon asked, give me wisdom so that I can help this people. See, as we talk about answering these questions when change happens in our lives, instead of asking the Lord for a solution or asking for asking the Lord for a way out, or asking the Lord, well, Lord, just put me up on another road. I need to go somewhere else. I need greener pastures. I need new scenery. Instead of asking the Lord for a way out, maybe we need to start asking the Lord, what do you want me to do while I'm here? What do you want me to do? So then notice, shall I overtake them? And he answered, and God said, pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them. And without fail, God said, you will recover everything. So time out. What if David would have asked God all about himself and how, to, how for himself to get out? He wouldn't have recovered his wife and everybody else's. David watered the grass where he was at. Now, was the grass dead? Yeah, the grass was dead. It was just green. Just saved these guys. Now they turned on me. So notice, and the thing about physical grass too, physical grass gets brown real quick. And we can learn a lesson from that. So David's grass a chapter before was green. But now everything turns brown real quick. So now because your personal grass is brown, you, you want to say deuces, right? Oh, uh, well, can't really do anything here. Uh, well, I can't really. Well, wait a second. Maybe we leave our personal grass too quick. The grass isn't always greener on the other side. The grass is greener where you spend some time and effort watering it. David didn't leave his men, even though he had the option to. All right, so this grass is brown where I'm at right now. Everybody hates me. Everybody wants to turn on me. They was just with me too. So you know what? I'm out. He could have done that. But David encouraged himself. David asked the Lord the right questions. And now David understood where to go. So should I stay or should I go? What did David learn? Don't make an emotional decision based on what's going on right now. See, notice what David was able to do. And as hard as this was, David almost was able to take his emotions out of it to make the right choice. Never make a decision based off of a blue Monday or based off of what's happening to you right now. Man, I got to get up out of here. I got it. You see, you see the calmness that David had. And in order for us to, to, to answer the questions that we asked before, how do I know when it's time to move? How do I know when it's time to make a certain choice? You know it when you ask the Lord and when you ask the right questions. 
All right. So number one, should I stay or should I go? Don't make an emotional decision based on what's going around you right now. Even though the Bible says David was greatly distressed, he still didn't make an emotional decision. Now, let's keep walking through. It's, this gets better. Trust me. This this gets 100% better. Oh, let me keep, let me, um, oh, okay. No, we're good. We're good. I want to make sure. I'm getting ahead of myself. I'm getting excited. All right. So before we get to the second point, remember the first one, don't make an emotional decision based on what's going on around you right now. So then two, before we get into point two, again, uh, if you would like to support the podcast, go to anchor.fm slash when the scriptures become real and you can support and you can be a monetary supporter there. Uh, we're just so thankful for those guys that do that. And you guys don't have to, but I'm just appreciative of the ones that support. Just thank you very much for that. All right. So number two, should I stay or should I go? Here's the second point. Not only should we make emotional decisions based on what's going on right now. Two, always look big picture. Okay, so let's go back to our text. So David's distressed, right? He asked the Lord the right questions. The Lord tells him to go, to go and pursue. Now, let's keep reading. So verse uh, number nine. So David went, he and 600 that were with him. Keep that number in mind. 600 started off. And came to the brook Basor, um, where those that were left behind stayed. But David pursued, and now what's the number? Now it's 400. Circle or highlight that, because that matters moving forward. For 200 men stayed behind, and they were so faint, and they were so tired that they couldn't go over the brook. Highlight all that, because we, we got to go back, and we're going to hit that later. So remember, he started off with six, but only four went because two were, were too tired. 200 were too tired. All right. So now imagine, imagine the scene. We were just happy. Now we're insanely mad and we want to stone David, but David doesn't leave us. David decides to lead us. So now he's leading us. And imagine you got David and you got 400 men with blood in their eyes ready to go pursue. But then notice who they find on the road to getting there. Verse 11. And they found an Egyptian in the field. And they brought that Egyptian to David. And they gave him bread and he ate and they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of cake of figs and two clusters of raisins, which he had eaten. And his spirit came to him again, for he had eaten no bread, nor drunken any water for three days and three nights. So they find this Egyptian and they treat him well, right? They give him all this stuff. They give him all this food to get his spirit back. So verse 13, and David said unto him, to whom belongest thou and where are you? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt. I am a servant to an Amalekite. Time out, time out, time out. So we're on this way to pursue. We find this guy. We're giving him all this food, and David says, who are you? And he says, I am a servant of a Amalekite who just invaded home base. According to verse 1, the Amalekites, now it gets a little bit more juicy. All right, let's keep going. So he said, I'm a young man of Egypt. I'm a servant to an Amalekite. My master left me because three days ago, 
I fell sick. So then watch verse 14. We made an invasion of the south of the Cherethonites upon the coast which belongs to Judah and upon the south of, of Caleb, and we burned down Ziklag with fire. <laughs> oh. So remember, these guys, they got blood in their eyes. They're ready to go. They're ready to go fight. They find this guy. They find this Egyptian. They feed him and they treat him well. And then all of a sudden, can you imagine that guy just stuffing his face? Oh, man, this cake is good. This this stuff is amazing. David says, where are you from? He said, hey, man, pass that cake. By the way, we just invaded someplace called Ziklag. Me and my master, yeah, we just invaded it. That'd be the part of the movie where everybody just kind of turns around. You did what? <laughs> like like that Scooby-Doo. Uh, you did what? You burn what with fire? You burn Ziklag with fire. So what's our point here? The big the big picture, should I stay or should I go? So David did make an emotional decision at the beginning, but David also looked big picture. So here's my question. Think about this for a second. So what if David, because he was greatly distressed, right? What if David would have wanted revenge and killed that Egyptian right now? What if he would have done that? Notice what the Egyptian gave him, according to verse 15. And David said to him, Canst thou not bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear to me by God that you will neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring you down to this company. See, if David would have just focused on his rage for somebody that hurt him, and also if David would have listened to everybody else and would have fed off everybody else's rage, David would have killed him. But notice what David asked. Instead of this man was responsible for taking his wife, taking everybody else's wife and kids. So instead of looking small picture and just getting satisfied with what I want out of you right now, David says, look, I won't kill you, but I require one thing. You take me where they are. Sometimes in order to see the big picture of what's of what's going on in your current distress right now. Sometimes, just like David just did, you have to detach from what you want to do right now. And you got to look to where you want to go. You have to detach from what you want to do right now to where you want to go. So think about that example. What, what can greatly distress us? My job. All right, you know what? I hate this place. This place has changed. It's not the same as it was before. I quit. Okay, cool. So you're not at that job anymore. Now what are you? You're unemployed. Guess what you're not making anymore? Money. So because you're not making any money, now potentially your lifestyle suffers because you were so mad that you wanted to get out of that job so bad that you decided to make a personal choice to do what you wanted right now. But instead, potentially, guess what you could have done? As much as you hate the place, you know, potentially, maybe you could talk to somebody there and look at resources of where you can get hired somewhere else before you quit. Instead of quitting because, man, I got to get out right now. You see how easy we can do that? 
how I mean, with everything, with people, we can do it so easy because we want to rip it off right now. But sometimes, you know, people always say, man, just rip off the Band-Aid, you know, just just rip it off right now. It'll heal later. I get the concept. And in some cases that works. But in, in terms of first Samuel 30, sometimes instead of ripping the Band-Aid off, sometimes you need to peel it off. It comes off anyway. So why don't you cause yourself less pain? Sometimes you need to peel it off. That's wisdom. David didn't listen to his men and didn't listen to his men's emotions. And he didn't listen to his. He used, not used this man, but he, this man was able to aid him in getting what he really wanted. There's a book that I just read. And again, this is a, this is a great thing for you guys to take notes on. Just a side note. There's a, uh, a book called Tuesdays with Maury. My mom told me to read it. It was a great book. And there's a movie on YouTube. You need to watch that too. Great movie, especially for, uh, for young men, uh, young women too, because there's some great things in there too. But essentially it's an older man talking to a young man about things in his life, about how he needs to be better for his personal life and his relationships, other things too. And so one thing that the old man told the young man was you need to learn to detach. He said, feel the emotion but use it for your benefit. Don't let it control you. David learned to detach what he felt for this guy. And he helped and he said, well, you just take me where they are. Always look big picture. Do you see how, as we're walking through this text, how getting your answer of should I stay or should I go? Should I make this choice or should I make this choice? Can you see as, we're, as, the, as the Bible is starting to develop these points for us? And this, and those that don't know this style, and this is how um, I was taught how to preach from my dad and from, and from other men as well from school, but specifically dad's the one that taught me first of how to, it's called expository, where you're literally just going through the text and the text is making your points for you. All right. So as, as we're doing this, can you see how learning to make these choices and learning to deal with change, you're not going to figure it out in one day. You're not going to figure it out in a month, in a couple months. You understand you got to let some things work. And going back to that example of watering the grass, all of this started from David not leaving. All of it started was from David watering the, the brown grass where he was at. He watered the grass where he was to make it green. So here's the thing about physical grass. When physical grass is absolutely dead, I mean, I'm talking about, you know how when you drive through neighborhoods, and it just looks like, I mean, someone literally just put like a brown, <laughs> a brown paint bucket on it. I mean, it just brown as, as, as it gets. Sometimes when grass is, it's called dormant. And when, when grass gets dormant where it's not alive anymore, when you start to refertilize it, when you start to put the right moisturizer and things in it, you know, it takes two to four weeks for the dormant state to stop, even when you're watering it. But so many times we, we want the result right now, but sometimes even when you water it, you're not going to get your result tomorrow. When you water what's happening at your job, when you water your relationships, when you water your spiritual life, something's not going to change next week. You have to give it time to revitalize itself. And so it takes two to four weeks for, for grass that is literally dormant for the root to revive itself back up, even if it's been watered consistently. So 
understanding these questions for our lives, guys, with our with our jobs, with our relationships, with our spiritual life. Don't expect an answer like real quick. And also, as we walk through this text, can you see how we have a part to play in all this? The answers, we're not going to get a sign. You know, nothing's going to happen like, oh, man, I got this or I got this text yesterday. You're not going to get a sign that this is supposed to work at your job or not supposed to work. You're not going to get a sign. David did work. What was the work David did? In a bad brown situation, David didn't leave. David encouraged himself. And David asked the right questions. See, we got a part to play in this. We can't expect God to do it all. And we can't expect someone else or other people or our job to do it all. So as we're walking through, we're developing these things of how to become more mature like David was. So should I stay or should I go? So David was greatly distressed, but he did make an emotional decision. David had vengeance. His men had vengeance, but David, David detached from what he wanted to do right now. And he looked at where he wanted to go. But then number three, as we keep walking through expositorily through this text, here's a third, here's a third way. Don't make a choice out of spite. Don't make a choice out of spite. So as we're walking through this text, verses 16 through 20, essentially what David does is the Egyptian tells him where that where that troop was. David goes and he fights against that troop and he gets everybody back all the wives all the sons everybody comes back alive just like god said it would in verse number uh verse number eight and then he gets spoiled so he gets basically all the treasures and things uh from that camp so now everybody is happy on the way back but now notice this don't make decisions and don't make choices out of spite now remember before we even met this Egyptian, how many men went up with David? 600. But how many stayed behind? 200. So now, the 400 that went with David that got everything back, they're all coming back. And now let's notice their attitude. All right? Let's begin in verse 21. And David came to the 200 men that were so tired before that could not follow David because they made to abide at, at the brook Basor and they, and they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And David came to the people and he saluted them. He was glad to see him. But watch verse 22. Then answered all the wicked men of Belial that went with David and said, oh, ho, 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 time out. They didn't go with us. We will not give them any of this spoil that we have recovered. Save every man, they can get their wives and their kids back, but all this gold and stuff that we got, everything that we got, they're not getting anything. And they basically said they're going to get their wives and children. Y'all leave. But watch verse 23. And David said, you will not do that. My brethren, that which the Lord has given us, who has preserved us and delivered the company that came into our hand for who will hearken unto you in this matter. But as his part that went down the battle, so is the part 
that stayed by the stuff, they shall apart alike. So if you went to battle, you get the same thing. If you stayed, you get the same thing. Sometimes when we're greatly distressed, we make choices to spite those that put us in those distressful situations. So what the what the 400 men did, they wanted to spite the other two. Well, hold up. Y'all didn't come. I, I don't see blood on your face. Y'all didn't fight. Y'all didn't rescue your wives. We did. So y'all don't get any of this. See, David didn't do all this to prove anything. But here, here's the danger of making choices. When we're distressed at our jobs, when we're distressed in our relationships, and sometimes when we're distressed in our spiritual lives, sometimes we can make choices to spite somebody else. I want to prove to this job and this boss that they should have let me go. I want to prove to this to this person, to this friend, to this. Sometimes when you do stuff out of spite, it doesn't end, it doesn't end well. David didn't do any of this to prove anything to anybody. David, out of anybody, could have said, well, time out. If y'all don't want them to have spoils, if we really want to make an excuse, y'all wouldn't have any of this because I didn't quit on y'all. So David could have said, you know what? Y'all wouldn't have what you would have had if I didn't stay. But David didn't do that. See, sometimes that's what we'll do. We'll do things out of spite. So if your job has caused your distress, you know what? I'm going to go to work still, but I won't work as hard. And I won't work with a good attitude like I worked with before. Guess what? You can still get fired. <laughs> so what, what good does that do to do something out of spite? If another person, if other people caused it, you know, I'll still be nice, but I'm not going to care as much. Or I'll show you that you're replaceable. What does that do? What is that? I mean, that might satisfy your ego for a second, but every new thing comes with new problems. So, I mean, that's not going to do anything. I mean, it'll satisfy your ego for a minute, but outside of that, you're going to deal with a whole new set of problems. See, here's a side note as we're studying this together. This is why if we find ourselves in this mode of thinking in terms of making choices out of spite, this is why we don't need to listen to the wrong people. So all this stuff happens in our lives sometimes. And then other people that are on our side gas us up that we're doing the right thing. Oh, man, it's it's a snowball downhill. It's a snowball downhill. We just had a, a youth rally, an arch conference uh, this weekend. And we talked about how to make choices with God. And as we talked about this, we looked at an example with King Rehoboam. And remember Rehoboam being that young man? He went to the old man to look for advice. What should I do? The old man told him, take care of the people and they'll take care of you. But then he went to the young man, the, the, the men he grew up with, and they said, well, no, you need to be rough to the people. So the thing about it is sometimes when you make choices and when you go to people for advice, People tell you what they think is best for you. And number two, people will only tell you their point of view. So when you get advice from people, who has to live with the consequences of that? They don't. So think about Rehoboam's situation. 
okay, you guys think I need to be rough to the people. I'll do that. But at the end of the day, y'all don't sit on the throne. I do. My consequence is bigger than yours. So this is why we got to be so careful when we get advice from people. And so, you know, you think about, I had a, I had a friend and here's a, a, an example that I think will hit home. I had a friend um, where he was, the, the grass was brown. I'll say that where he was, the grass was brown. And so others that gave this guy advice said, wait, all of this is happening for you there. Your, your situation is terrible there. You want, you want greener pastures. You know what? Just move here. And if you move here, number one, you'll be closer to us. Two, after you'll be closer to us, then you can get a job here. There might be other situations with, with other ladies here. You can, do, you can do all that stuff. You know what? My grass is pretty brown here. And instead of doing the work, I'm going to just go where they sit. So I'm going to move and pick up my stuff and go where they are. So that's what happened. So he moved and he went to the place where they were. And months later, months later, found out that that's, that grass that looked insanely, and it did, it looked insanely beautiful, was browner than the one he was in. It was actually worse. It was a facade. But guess what? The friends that told him to move there, their lives are great, but they don't have to live with the consequences of the stuff that he has to deal with now. So do you understand why you can't make choices because of buddies? You can't make choices based off of, of your best friends of what they think is best for you because ultimately this is not their life. This is yours. But so many times people try to make their life your life. They don't care about your grass. You have to start caring about your grass. You got to start start caring about your grass because no one is really going to really take that that consequence for you. You got to take your own consequences. So as we as we look at this, David from 1 Samuel chapter 30, David taught us so much about making choices today, didn't he? Should I stay or should I go? When David was greatly distressed, as you might be listening, David didn't make an emotional decision because of what was happening around him. David always looked at the big picture and David didn't do things out of spite to prove anything to anybody. And notice David did one thing. David involved God. He involved God in all this. See, ultimately, as we talked about with that, with that uh, person that I know, God was not involved in that situation. Everybody else was. Ultimately, as we talk about this today, and we learn this from 1 Samuel 30, and I hope that you can apply this to your life too. Ultimately, whatever, and only you know how brown or how green your, your personal grass is in your life right now. Only you know that. But ultimately, whether your grass is, is blooming or whether your grass is dying or you think it's dying, don't make a choice to go 
or to stay because of one thing. David was smart. David learned to put the pieces together. And guess what? To put the pieces together is not going to happen in a week or two months or maybe even a year. It takes some time to put the pieces together. It takes time to see the big picture. Again, remember that grass example. It takes two to four weeks for the roots, for the roots, forget the grass, for the roots to be alive again. And if the root is not alive, the grass will never be alive. You got to be patient with yourself and be patient with your process. And I'm talking to you guys like that's easy, but that's the hardest thing. That's the hard. I mean, I still struggle with that too, 100%. Because, you know, we're ready for what we wanted yesterday, you know, last year. I mean, it's just how it is. So let's close thinking about this thought that we've learned from 1 Samuel 30 as we walk through this text. Has there ever been a time where something in your life was so hard And that something can mean anything. I mean, that can mean playing an instrument. That can mean a sport. That can mean uh, if you're a preacher student, you know, preaching, whatever it is. Has there ever been a time where something was so hard, that thing, you know, whatever it was, it gave you so much grief. It gave you so much trouble. You wanted to quit multiple times. You wanted to give up. But for some weird reason, whether it was school, work, your job, you know, an instrument, what you teach, what you love, no matter what that is, for some weird reason, as much grief as that thing gave you, as hard as it was, for some reason, the next day, you kept putting effort into it. No matter what it was, the next day you didn't quit. Guess what that's called? That's watering your grass. You finally got it, though. That instrument that took you so long to learn, you're a master at it now. That subject that you hated, you love and you teach that now. For me, studying the scripture and learning this, I used to, I couldn't get it. But now I love to do this. It gave me grief. I wanted to quit. But you got it. So now, understanding that you got it and you just, for some weird reason, you just kept at it even though you knew you didn't want to keep at it. After the fact, have you ever said to yourself, I'm glad I didn't quit. I'm glad I didn't, looking back, I'm glad I didn't quit. You see, we can't say that. If we are willing to start watering the grass that's around us to the things that we think are dead. So many times the things that we think are dead, maybe it needs to be dormant right now. Maybe it needs to be dormant for a while. Why? Here's what I didn't tell you about that dormant grass. When that grass is watered, even though it's dormant, and even though it takes two to four weeks for the for the root to, to develop again, did you know that if that piece of land, if that piece of grass was green before and it was brown, but it's watered again and it's 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 watered on a consistent basis, did you know that the new growth will always be better than the first growth? So sometimes the job situation that you're in right now 
sometimes maybe that needs to be dormant and maybe you just need to keep watering it so that it can be greener and the new growth can be better than what it was when you started. Same thing with your relationships. Maybe the new growth, the dormant growth, it'll be better from when it started. Maybe your spiritual life, it'll be better than it was when you started. But what is one thing that we can't do? We can't get up and try to find greener pastures when maybe the right pasture that we're in is right here. It just needs to be watered. So the question becomes, with your personal grass that you're in today, number one, here's two questions we must ask ourselves. Should I stay or should I go? But how am I going to answer that question? How much water on a consistent basis? How much water have I been given my spiritual life? Because obviously I'm ready to quit, right? How much water have I been giving to my relationships? Obviously I'm ready to quit, right? How much water have I been giving to my job, to my things around me? But I'm ready to quit, right? Maybe before you quit, spend some time giving your grass some new growth. And as patient as you are, And as you keep trusting God, as David did in 1 Samuel 30, wouldn't it be sad the moment that you left your plot of grass, someone else came and watered it, and it looks better than the grass that you thought would be greener? Water your grass. I can't tell you, though, I I don't have the authority to tell you what your grass is going to be. But through this text in 1 Samuel 30, We can say, if you water the grass that's around you, you might be surprised. Should I stay or should I go? What a great text. What a great text from 1 Samuel 30. I was was so pumped to teach this because this is just one of my favorite texts anyway. But it's just the more and more you study, it's just amazing, man. It's amazing as you just go through. And this is why for those that listen and those that, that love the Bible, when you just stick with what the Bible says, look how much we just got out of this. This is all from first. This is one chapter. When you stick with just the Bible rather than someone's opinions, someone's stories, what someone thinks, look how much we can get out of this, guys. It's right here. And this is why I hope that more and more of us can come to when the scriptures become real and we can study the scripture like this and we can dig out and we can we can water our grasses together so that we can learn and we can grow and study. Man, I'm so appreciative of you guys. So thankful that you guys are here, that we can study together. I look forward to being with you again next week for another podcast. Possibly, don't quote me, but possibly we may have a guest. But if not, we'll have another great topic because there's like four of them I wanted to do today. But I could only pick one. I I didn't want to be an eight-hour podcast. So next week, we'll have another great podcast for you. Again, like the Facebook page. When the scriptures become real, follow that. And then there you can get some great information there. Appreciate you guys. Lord willing, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys.